Fantastic. It is great to be here. And I, I want to um, reiterate Aaron's welcome to not only anyone who is here as a guest, also to our campus in the Huon Valley. It is kind of exciting that we get to have two of our campuses together on Easter time. But I also want to just welcome our C3 Church family. Sometimes we welcome our guests and we do a really good job with that. But I want to say that if this is your church family, it is so great to have you here. It is so, so great. On behalf of my wife, Marella, and I, we do have the absolute privilege of pastoring this great church. Uh, and it is, it is an absolute blessing. We have an incredible team. There's many of us heading up to presence this week coming uh, on the plane tomorrow morning. Super excited about what that is. It's an opportunity to be refilled and refreshed, to hear from some of the greatest communicators in the world who are going to be there, to hear some of the most amazing worship in the world, to fellowship with other uh, church people, Jesus followers. Last year at Presence Conference, they had over 700 first-time salvations. 700 people's lives were changed this time last year at the Presence Conference. I am praying that we will see that in the thousands this year up there. Believing that. And that those people who go will go back to their churches or they'll find a church and things will be changed in their lives. Because who knows that each and every one of us have undergone a life change. I was raised in a Christian family. I went to church probably the first week I was born. I don't know. Probably. Knowing my mum and dad, they pushed me in there in a pusher. Man, pushers have changed, haven't they? Seriously. The pusher I was in was a pusher. I think it had wooden wheels on that old. But now they've got like hydraulics on it and they've got all sorts of stuff happening on it. But I was raised in a Christian family. My mum and dad uh, taught me everything they, they knew about Jesus. Each and every night time, we would sit with my family around the, the meal table, and my, my father would do a, a Bible reading. My father is a, uh, is a farmer, and he's, he's, it wasn't a theological download, but it was straight from his heart. And, and I would hear this, and I would go through things, and I'd be in church, and I'd, I shared on Sunday that I tried to slip out during the communion because I didn't understand what it was. But ultimately, somewhere along the journey, I had to make a life change for myself. I had to accept Christ into my life for myself. My mum and dad could pray for me. They could believe in me. They could believe that I would do it, but somewhere along the line, I had to make that decision for myself. And so my prayer is this morning, that at those who may have come here today and have not made that decision for themselves, maybe you were raised in a Christian family, but church became all too hard. Church became the the building, church became the institution. You lost the understanding of what church was. My prayer this morning 
is that God will speak through the message, through the worship, and through the public declaration of baptisms that we're going to share this morning. I'm so excited to see five men and women getting baptized this morning, to stand up and say, I'm a Jesus follower. I feel it's a little uh, unnecessary to have a title for an Easter message. You know, it's it's Easter Sunday message. This is what you put as a title, isn't it? But uh, if I was to have one, it would simply be called this, the significance of verse 4. The significance of verse 4. And if you are new to church, I'm talking about the Bible. And the Bible is divided into books. And the Bible is also then in the books is divided into chapters and different verses. If you do have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. If you don't have it, we'll have it up on the screen. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And they all tell the Easter story in their own way. And I like that. There'll be some who will look at, the, look at the different versions or the different interpretations of what Matthew said and what Mark said and what Luke said and what John said, and they'll go, well, the Bible is like inconsistent because, because one of them said there was two people there and one of them said there was one person standing there and there's an inconsistency. That's the beauty of the Bible. As the, each author wrote their interpretation of what they saw, I could stand outside with James and we could look at, at, at the, the view out there and we could see totally different things. But we're going to turn to the book of Mark. It's Mark's interpretation of the resurrection that I find resonates with me most. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. I'm reading these first three verses from what they call the Passion Translation. On the first day of the week, As the Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob, and Salome made their way to the tomb. It was very early in the morning as the first streaks of light were beginning to be seen in the sky. They had purchased aromatic embalming spices so that they might anoint his body. And they had been asking one another, who can roll the heavy stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. Before I share my thoughts on the resurrection, I want to go back a couple of days to the cross. Because to appreciate and live in the fullness of the resurrection, it is vital to understand the significance of the cross. In 1913, a gentleman by the name of George Bernard wrote the words to what would be the great hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. The cross was a symbol of shame, suffering, torture, and death. The cross was a not-so-subtle reminder not to mess with the ideologies and the laws of the Roman Empire. The cross was the most 
shameful of executions that they could do, where the guilty or those who had been given a guilty verdict were hung naked and defenseless. Beside a road outside of the city where travelers would be able to walk past and see, it was a reminder not to mess with the Roman Empire. As Bernard penned in his hymn, the cross was a symbol of suffering and shame, of fear, hate, oppression, disgrace, embarrassment and disgust. No one had survived the ugliness, shame and death of the cross. And it would seem to those who now stood, including a number of women, and they watched Jesus hanging on that cross, that again, they would see the cross do what it was meant to do, which was death. I'm going to take it up in the book of Matthew from verse 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Going to verse 54. The Roman officer and other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the son of God. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. The cross had done everything that the Roman Empire wanted it to do. It had taken the very life of the one who in their eyes had falsely prophesied that he was the life. Verse 57. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a, a reluctant follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. I totally get the attitude of Joseph. If you read through some of the commentaries and some of the other translations in, in the other Gospels of Joseph, he, he was what they call a little bit of a reluctant follower of Jesus. He believed, but he found it was a little bit dangerous to actually follow. 
But here he was after the death on the cross, he was able to go to Pilate, the one who had washed his hands and said, don't, don't blame me, but I find him guilty anyway. Joseph went to him and said, can I take the body? I want to wrap it in cloth. I want to lay it in a new tomb. He was a rich man. I want to lay it in a new tomb that I've purchased on the outskirts of town. And in order to make sure that it's safe, I'm going to roll a big stone in front of it. You see, I, I kind of get Joseph because growing up, I was a reluctant Jesus follower. I wore a cross on a chain around my neck but I hid it deep below my shirt so no one would see it. I went to youth group on a Friday night, but I told my mates that I had to do it or I got in trouble from my mum and dad, when actually I loved it. And I despised Monday morning at school. Because Monday morning at school was when around the, the play yard, Everyone would say, hey, what'd you do on the weekend? I played footy on Sunday. I did this. And I would kind of under my breath go, yeah, I went to church. What'd you say? Don't worry about me. Had a boring weekend. You see, in my heart, I believed that God sent his son to die on the cross for me. As I, hide, as I tried to hide my faith inside, I often agonized over the suffering that Jesus took on my behalf. Deep down, I knew that he did this for me. But my lack of courage told my schoolmates that I believed in a God, but that the stone was still in place. I believed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believed that but the stone was still in place. You see, when the stone was put in place, Joseph was declaring, it is finished. But you see, that was a very, it is different, it is finished to what Jesus said. You see, heading back to the scripture I started with, we read of a number of women who, who wept at the feet of the cross and then agonized as Joseph carried that lifeless body placed it in a tomb, wrapped in a linen sheet. And then the finalization, as they saw, Joseph and one of the translations says, with his friend Nicodemus, as they rolled this large stone in front, saying, it is finished. The cross had taken another life. And in the natural, it was finished. Jesus had died on the cross. But when Jesus said it was finished, the translation from the Greek actually meant completion, accomplishment, to bring to an end. On this Easter Sunday, alongside billions of other Jesus followers spread across the globe, we come to a verse 
that defines the very being of our faith journey. A faith that saw these three women race to the market as soon as it was opened in order to use their own money to purchase spices. A faith that would see them rise before the sun was even up in order that they could start the journey towards the tomb. A faith that even involved the the practical problem and, and the elements of doubt in their mind of when they said, who will roll this stone away? A faith that could look at the cross and no longer see a symbol of slavery, but a sign of freedom from sin. A faith that can look at the cross and no longer see despair, but a new hope found in Jesus Christ. A faith that can look at the cross and no longer see hate and oppression, but a symbol of love and sacrifice. A faith that turned death to life. A faith that keeps walking towards a stone when it was in the way. A faith that keeps believing that just maybe, just maybe he is alive. A faith that let out a mighty shout when we read in verse 4. When they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled away. He is risen, people. He is risen. By that very God-ordained act, Jesus had defeated death on the cross and was now risen from the dead. You see, it wasn't robbers in the night who rolled the stone away. It wasn't Joseph and Nicodemus coming back and rolling the stone away. It was God sending an angel to roll that stone away. Because the story didn't finish at the cross. The story finished with a stone that was rolled away. And Jesus, who was risen. I love nearly the arrogance of when the ladies looked around, they saw the angel resting on the stone. I can just imagine it. Yeah, I rolled that away. Yeah, it was me. By the power of God, I rolled this thing away. Took two of them. The Bible says it was a large stone. I rolled it away. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But here's my revelation. stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could get in. In 
in order to celebrate that the stone was rolled away. You have to acknowledge that when Jesus died on the cross, he did so for each and every person. We're blessed. We've got a hundred kids who've just come in the back of the auditorium. When Christ died on the cross, he did so for them. In order for you to celebrate that the stone was rolled away, we have to understand that the cross is no longer ugly. But the cross is a symbol of freedom, of hope, of victory. You see, we don't come from a place of death. We come from a place of victory. In a moment, we're going to celebrate with a number of people who have said that they believe in all their heart that Jesus died on the cross. And on the third day, the stone was rolled away and he was risen. In Galatians, Paul says this, For all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. In a moment, I'm going to ask those who are getting baptized to make their way down to our pool down here. I'm also going to, in just a moment, invite those who have been baptized in the last period of time in this church you would have received an invite to come and stand around because we are family and there's nothing better than when we baptize someone to have your brothers and sisters standing around this is a public declaration that these people are making to say that the stone has been rolled away in my life Jesus is risen before we do that though Our worship team are going to sing a song. And it talks about surrendering all. Because there will be some who have come here today. And you may have accepted Christ into your life before. But every time you seem to take a step forward like the women did on the way to the tomb. In your mind, there's a stone still in front. It may be that you've never started on that journey. It may be that you've never taken that first step. It may be that you've never gone to the marketplace in order to get the spices to be ready to go. It's that you've never woke up in the morning before dawn and said, I want to step into what Jesus has for me just in case. There is no more just in case. The scriptures are clear to me and they tell me that the stone has been rolled away. Jesus Christ is risen. As a team sing this,
can think of no better time than for you to declare and say, I want to get my life right. I want to acknowledge that the stone has been rolled away. We're going to stay seated as the team sing. But I feel that there is some here today where God is speaking into your heart and you know who you are. Because my message is biting a little bit. As we sing this, I want you to have the courage just to raise your hand because one of our pastoral care team will see that and they would love to pray with you after the service. The words will be on the screen. Just take a moment, pray. Maybe you've brought someone along here today that you know is not right with God. Pray for them. Encourage them. This is not a moment of condemnation and judgment where we look at you and say, man, what a bad person. We actually look and say, man, there is a miracle moment with God happening in that person's life. So just as they sing, if that's you, just raise your hands. Our team will see. And I'd love to pray with you afterwards. Thanks, Jeff.